Hi, I'm Joe Madden, and you are listening to Halfway Around the Halo. Fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariner racing back to the track. Good evening and welcome back to Halfway Around the Halo, a UK Angels podcast with your host, Nick Wright. Delighted to be back once again for another episode. I think we're up to the second episode now in season three, I think I've called it. I have no idea, by the way, why I've started doing seasons. It's just a thing that when you plug it in on the on the app, on Anchor and on Apple Podcasts, it asks you for season and episode. So Season three, episode two, and it sounds more official that way anyway, doesn't it? I am very happy, though. It's not just me tonight, and I'm sure you're very happy about that as well. You don't just happen to listen to me talk. So Dave has just about recovered from COVID, I believe. Dave, are you still with us? I'm back. I'm back. Guess who's back? So, no, yeah, it was a pretty grim couple of weeks, have to admit. But um, at the end of the day, I've got, I've got my health back, and uh, obviously others haven't had that opportunity, so... I won't harp on that too much, but it's it's nice to be back talking some Angels baseball. We've not long to go now. Definitely, we're we're glad to have you back. And I, <laughs> I know I think it was probably just Chris Rodriguez's good wishes that got you back to health, wasn't it? Yeah, that was it. I, I heard that and I jumped out of bed, sort of. What a top bloke, I've got to say. Yeah, like, it sounded like a good conversation there. Yeah, you can't help but you can't help but want him to be extremely successful, both for the Angels, but also on a personal level. Um, it's going to be interesting following his progress this year, I think. Oh, definitely. I mean, ironically, you want to see him, but is it a good thing if he actually comes up this year or not? Well, Does he seems mean? to want to, he doesn't he? Gone... Of course he wants to. He wants to be there now, I'm sure. But if he's coming up this year, does that mean that something's probably gone wrong or someone's not actually performing and we've sold pieces off and he's now coming in for a little bit of experience? A little, little bit of a flip side there, isn't it? Maybe. I guess it just depends how, how well he's doing this year. How well, whether we need that extra piece going into September, ready for the big playoff run, ready ready for the World Series. Maybe he's just that so good to start the year off. It's an arm you can't ignore and you've got to bring him in. Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, what, what date are we on now? We're in like end of Feb, aren't we? I've heard some rumours that there's something starting on Sunday that might get you a little bit excited. Have you heard these rumours too? I've heard some rumours. I think it's on some prime time TV for us UK fans as well. It is indeed. I think eight o'clock, eight o'clock starts. So of course we are referring to spring training. You know that you're listening to a baseball podcast with two British guys talking about Angels baseball. I mean, if you didn't know spring training started on Sunday, I'm not really sure why you're listening. Um, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. We do appreciate it. But yeah, are you excited? Like it's finally obviously we know the baseball off season is just so long, particularly when you're like the Angels and you seem to fade away at the mid-season point trade deadline and nothing comes of it. We don't have postseason baseball. It's just a long old slog, isn't it? It's a long time watching the uh, the warm stove, let alone the hot stove. Uh, all the build up, all the talk, all the bits and pieces that go around it. But no, I can't. I can't wait. I know it's only spring training and almost results don't matter. But it's just, mean, it would just be nice. Okay, they don't, Resu- they, they don't matter. matter. They don't That's matter. all. Right. 
Um, and I, I just can't wait to see some Angels baseball. I just can't wait to see some baseball, let alone Angels baseball. Mm, I'm the same. I mean, I, spring training comes around every year and you're always so excited for it. And the first few days, you're loving it and you watch it all and you wait for like the second or third day when they start introducing the, the regular position players in and you get the, the full-time lineup after like a week. But then it just starts dragging, let's be honest. I mean, as spring goes on, the excitement does wane a bit as you just count down to a real opening day. But still, this first week is going to be exciting, I think. Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, you get to that point, don't you, where all the big players, big boys start being pulled out every time in the fifth inning, in the sixth inning, and, and then you know you're going to have the rest of the roster coming on for the last few innings of each game. But um, no, I enjoy it whilst it lasts, isn't it? I mean, it, it got cut short last year. I hope it stays a little bit longer this year. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit weird this year, though, without like a, a big Angels addition to look forward to seeing? Like the last few years, you've had Rendon, obviously, you've had Atani a couple of years back. There's always just seems to be this big piece coming to spring that everyone's excited to see. And I let's might be honest, offended. You, let's be honest, you can't really, can't really say someone falls into that category this year. As much as we think that the team has improved and the floor's <laughs> risen, there's no like outstanding superstar that's joined the team, is there? I don't know. We've got two legitimate chants for Jose Quintana. So I think it's been a good off-season, personally. It might not be a Rendon off-season, but there's two chants. Quintana, <laughs> what's your name? <laughs> exactly. You didn't have that last year. Didn't have it last year. No, that's true. But there could have been plenty more opportunities for that. Don't tempt me. I mean, I'm happy to go down the <laughs> opening days UK route. I don't know if you've seen their stuff, but they love a chant. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you should check that. them out. Check yeah. them out on Speaking YouTube. Open Days UK. You see what Matt does. <laughs> so, going into spring training, though, what are the things you're looking forward to seeing the most? Who are you looking forward to seeing back? I know, obviously, today, I'll jump in with mine so you don't nick it before I come in because I know you like to do that. Shohei, obviously, we saw him up to 97 in his bullpen. He was 90 last week and everyone was getting a bit panicky for absolutely no reason. Uh, but now he's up to 97. Um, Madden, of course, I mean, they always say this, don't they? But Madden says it's the best he's seen him since he's been there and promising. So what are you looking forward to seeing in spring training that's not Shohei Atani because he's mine? Well, since you took the obvious answer, I'm looking forward to seeing some of our younger guys coming up, you know, Jordan Adams, Brandon Marsh, seeing them getting them some game time as well. I believe every Detmers is in camp as well. You know, he, he won't start with us, but I'm looking forward to just seeing some of these, um, say, kids, but some of the younger lads, see what they got, see what they're going to bring. And, uh, they're, all, they're, all, they're all kids to you, aren't they? <laughs> you are. At your age. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite sad, really. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them, seeing some of the youth coming through. I'd say, oh, here we go. Youthful, youthful players. Here, here we go, the youth. But I think you're right. I mean, I like spring training for that reason. It's always good to see the angels of the future, isn't it? And see how they handle themselves around the, the Major League Club and around your Trouts, Rendones, you know, Tarnies, Upton, Pujols. I mean, it must be a great learning experience for them every spring when they get invited uh, up to the up to the big league club, yeah. Just getting the opportunity to be a big, being around the big boys uh, with all that experience around them, it's just it's a great opportunity for them, especially for the guys who are going to be in there for the first time uh, coming up this spring training. So, um, 
never one to really look into it too much results wise because you know it doesn't mean anything um you know i remember otani's first spring training he was absolutely dreadful with the bat wasn't he he, he was terrible but um you know he, he changed that pretty quickly so i always use that as a sort of a benchmark as well if, if you're really terrible maybe you're just going to switch it on come opening day so um yeah but it, it's just a good opportunity, opportunity to see what they're all about i don't believe you by the way you saying that you don't uh don't look at the results. I've seen you singing Cactus League <laughs> Champions. You'll never sing that. Uh, I'm not sure if I have, but I'll, I'll take it if you want. <laughs> oh, I know you have. I know you have. It's looking ahead today. We've got a really exciting guest, I think. Uh, another one in the series. I think we're doing quite well at the moment to get some interesting people on to talk to us that aren't just me and you. Because let's be honest, we probably outstayed our interest uh if that's even a thing about 10 episodes ago so <laughs> got to just mix it up it's useful that we have people on that genuinely people will probably want to hear from um without giving it away too much because i'll introduce him when he gets here are you looking forward to tonight's chat yeah it'll be a, a good conversation with a lot of experience floating around the table in more of a ways than one that's a good way to put it right without further ado Here's our chat with tonight's guest. And we are delighted to be joined by Josh Carey, who, of course, is the Rocket City Trash Pandas new play-by-play uh, guy for the new year, director of broadcasting. And you will, I'm sure, be aware of his grandfather, Harry Carey, the legend of baseball broadcasting, and his dad, the late Skip Carey. It's quite a bloodline in, in broadcasting, isn't it, Josh? And thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, happy to be here with you guys. So glad to, uh, so glad to be talking to you all uh, across the pond. Thank you. So where, where are you now currently? Where, where are you based? Okay, so we are in uh, North Alabama. Uh, the exact location is Madison. We're about uh, a mile or so from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, I'd say about an hour and a half south of Nashville, Tennessee, uh, if anyone's familiar with that. So um, about three hours from Atlanta. So if anyone's familiar with that part of our of the U.S., that's where we where we are. And is this an area you had been to before? Did, did you know it before you, you took the job? With... And no, no. But uh, I was born and raised in Atlanta. Of course, my dad was uh, a broadcaster for the Atlanta Braves. So that's where I grew up. And um before I lived there, I was living in Long Island, New York, um, on Long Island, New York, about an hour from the city. And so I was really looking to get back to the South. And um, when this job opened, it just made a lot of sense. And, you know, being from the South originally, I knew it wouldn't be uh, too bad of an adjustment. And uh, once I got down here, it was easy to uh, get acclimated once again. So it wasn't, uh, even though I didn't know the place, it wasn't a hard to uh, fall back in love with it. <laughs> it's one of the few areas of the US actually I, I haven't been to myself I don't know if Dave, have, Dave has I've done a lot of the east coast I've done a lot of the west coast and some of the northern parts but never really made it down to the south and I've heard all about southern yeah. hospitality so it, it's probably the next place on my list to go and now there's even more yeah. reason to with, with the angels based, based there yeah you know I think you'd like it it's um the sweet tea and the fried chicken is really what we're known for, uh, pecan pie. Um, but yeah, the baseball down here is really good, as is the college football. 
that's the American football, not the not the soccer, <laughs> but the um, uh, yeah, it's uh, the baseball down here is a real strong second sport behind American football. And here specifically, they uh, they had minor league baseball for 30 years uh, with a team called the Huntsville Stars. They were an A's and a, uh, a Brewers affiliate during that time. And now they finally get it back. And so uh, they're excited to have baseball back here, um, regardless of affiliate. And um, now, they, now they're itching to see baseball back on the field. So they're excited about that. I can imagine so. And I think that comes on to one of the questions I wanted to ask you later about minor league baseball in general and, and what it means to communities like this to have, have their own club. And we've seen over the, pre, the summer and, and, the, and the winter the restructuring of minor league systems. And we've had it all announced in the last few weeks where everybody's sitting. What, what do you think of that restructuring? And, and also just give me a flavor of what you think minor league baseball does mean to people in these communities. Yeah, well, I'm going to be very upfront. I kind of agreed with it. I agreed with the restructuring just because before I got here, um, I was calling games, I was calling football and basketball, American football and basketball for a university on Long Island called Stony Brook. But during the summers, I was working for the Hudson Valley Renegades, which were a short season affiliate for the Tampa Bay Rays uh, in the New York Penn League. And what I can tell you is short season ball in my opinion, was just, uh, I thought, in my opinion, was just uh, over an overreach of development when it came to minor league baseball. Uh, I've always felt there were too many players, um, and it just made the, um, uh, I felt the baseball was very watered down at the short season level. And furthermore, at the short season level, there's a lot of um, a lot of worn down dilapidated facilities. And because of that, you're putting a lot of top flight talent in harm's way uh, by putting them on these chopped up fields, these rundown uh, clubhouses, things of that nature. Many of them, many of whom are, uh, have signed for millions upon millions of dollars, which uh, owners have invested a lot of money in. So, uh, because, and on top of that, a lot of these facilities, a lot of these stadiums, um, there are not a lot of people showing up to these games. So it really becomes a money drain for these major league owners. And they have to start asking themselves, well, why am I spending so much money on this, on guys, many of whom don't really have a realistic shot of making the majors. And I know that sounds very harsh, but it's the reality. And so I think by doing this, you're kind of getting through a lot of that. And you're really starting to focus on guys who, frankly, have a more realistic shot of making the major league level. Um, I understand that there are, there have been great stories like Mike Piazza and Alex Correa and Mike Rousseau, guys who have defeated the odds, who were low round picks, who shoot through the majors. And those are great stories, but those are also very rare stories as well. So I sort of agreed with it. Um, there's a lot we don't know about it because it hasn't been done, but I think it's going to make things a lot, uh, a lot straight, a lot more straightforward. You're not going to see, you know, some teams with seven minor league teams and other teams with five, everyone's going to have four full season major league affiliates. And I think you're going to see a lot more streamlined effect of players uh, working their way through the minor league system and uh, hopefully for them getting into the majors one day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think that's quite a succinct way of putting where Major League Baseball 
wants to focus these days and where they sort of streamline that player development. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And I know I've heard you previously talk about the facilities you've got now in uh, at the Trash Pandas and how they're sort mm -hmm. of pretty leading in the field, aren't they, in, in baseball? Do you want to just talk about what's going on there, what the development's been and uh, and the excitement, I guess, around around that? Yeah, I mean, bluntly, our facility is one of the top five in minor league baseball, and we've been told that, and we haven't even played the game. And, you know, that's not to toot our horn, that's just a fact. And our facility is kind of an example of what Major League Baseball, what wants minor league baseball to be going forward. And it's a very high standard. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if you want to get the most out of these minor league players, you want to give them the best of everything possible and give them every chance to succeed. And so that's what we have. Uh, we have a 7,500 seat stadium for uh, baseball games. We have, you know, the mega video board in the outfield with 15 luxury suites. Uh, we have our, uh, our indoor batting cages actually on the concourse of the stadium. And it's, I think more importantly, it's uh, built for year round use. So even when the baseball season ends, we'll be able to have movie nights. We'll be able to have block parties. We'll be able to have, um, you know, a Christmas light show, which we had this past season. Uh, we'll be able to do uh, private uh, corporate outings. You know, if they wanna have, you know, an evening at the stadium for their company, they can do that. Uh, and these are all things that are meant to drive revenue, not just for us as uh, the trash pandas, but also for the local community, um, because part of our, the money we make also goes to the city. And so these are things that are, uh, that are not just good for the trash pandas, but they're also good for the angels. They're also good for the angels, uh, the opposition that they play. It's good for the city. It's meant to be good for everybody. You can only do that by building a top flight facility. And that's what we've done here. So, yeah, Josh, so you're, you're talking about a top five facility and everything like that. And obviously for this year upcoming, it's going to be an interesting year for the Angels in uh, in the farm system level with some of the star, well, I say potential future stars that you might see throughout the season at the AA level. Is there any sort of anyone in particular that you are sort of looking forward to having a potential chance to see? Obviously, we've talked about Reed Detmers previously. You know, he had he had nothing last year. He, he may not start at AA. He may come in at some point during the year, depending on how he develops. They talk about him being very close. Um along with people, maybe Jack Hanowitz, Kelvin Paris, and people like that, lower end of the systems at the moment, but might find their way up. Yeah, you know, because we didn't have a minor league season really impacted by the layoff and who will be able to just motor right on ahead. Um, and it, I think a lot of it will be depend on where guys are from. If guys were from California where the lockdown was really restrictive, they could really be impact. And I'm not trying to be political by any means, but if you're from a state where things are really restrictive, uh, you could really be hurt if you're from a state like Florida or Alabama where things are a little more open, it might not have as much of an impact on you. But a guy like Reed Detmers, you know, he was at college last year. I think he could be, uh, I, I think he probably might need a year before he gets to double A. Um, but I, I could see a guy like Jordan Adams, maybe the former two-way uh, star uh, who was headed to North Carolina. I think he was slated for high A, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last year. I could see him here. Um, Chris Rodriguez, the right-handed pitcher. I think, uh, yeah, he's another guy who uh, I could expect to see. Um, 
let's see, uh, I'm just trying to think of names here. Uh, there was, um, let's see, uh, uh, the kid from uh, Mobile, Alabama, who had the, the big gear at um, Ogden a couple of years ago. Uh, Jackson, I believe, is his last name. Oh, Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, Jackson. Jeremiah Jackson. Thank you very much. Yeah, he had that, that huge year. That might be a bit of a stretch. I think that might be a bit of wishful thinking on my part just because he's from Mobile. I think a lot of fans would uh, get a kick out of that. Robinson Pena is another guy who immediately comes to mind, Kyle Tyler. Um, but again, the, what's so unique about this year is because you have a lot of guys who haven't seen a diamond in over a year. So yeah. there, there's just so much we don't know. And again, a lot of the guys who are going to be playing at AA, they're not going to be reporting for another month or so. So there's just a lot we don't know right now. Absolutely. So during your sort of during your time, um, just branching out a little bit in, in, in baseball and like broadcasting, is there any sort of um, players that you spring to mind, which you remember seeing back in the day uh, in the lower leagues and thinking, yeah, they, they're going to be something, they're going to be there. Um, who was it? Oh, boy. When I was with the Rome Braves, uh, I saw Freddie Freeman. Um, Freddie, it, it was funny. I, I saw Freddie my second year in Rome. And uh, here's what was funny. That same team, and by the way, if you want to know how odd the minors can be, that year we had Jason Hayward, Freddie Freeman, and we had another first-round pick in that lineup, a kid named Cody Johnson. Um, we also had a starting pitcher named Jeff Locke. We had Craig Kimbrell on the team. Um, and we also had a guy named Corey Guerin, who is a middle reliever. He's, I think he last pitched for the Yankees. We had six major leaguers on that club, and we still finished 30 games under 500. So <laughs> amazing how that works. Anyway, wow. we had Freddie on that team, and he was kind of an afterthought at the beginning of the season. Everyone was talking about Jason Hayward because Jason was from Georgia. You were with the Rome Braves, Rome, Georgia. Everyone's talking about Jason. And early on, I could look at Freddie, and I could tell he was 18 years old, just drafted uh, the year before out of Thousand Oaks, California. He was a supplemental pick. He wasn't getting anywhere near the attention. And I just looked at him and I said, he's better than Jason. And Jason was a good player, but Freddie was so much more polished as a hitter. And I'll never forget about uh, a month into the season, the Rome Braves were playing the Asheville Tourists and uh, Asheville had, which was a Rockies affiliate, they had um, a, a guy, um, and I can't think of his name right now, who was making a, he was a major leaguer, making a minor league rehab appearance. And I thought, wow, this is neat. An 18-year-old Freddie Freeman about to face a major league rehabber. This ought to be exciting for him. Very first pitch he sees, he uncorks it to center field for a double, just straightaway center off the top of the wall for a double. And I said, this kid's not afraid of anything. He's going to be something. And now he's won uh, the uh, MVP of the uh, National League. So um, that that guy really uh, that stood out to me. But I remember, um, you know, going down to Savannah uh, when they were a Mets affiliate. This, you know, they were the Savannah Sand Nats. They were terrible. And but I would see Wilmer Flores. I never thought Wilmer Flores would turn into a major leaguer, and he did. Juan Lagares was down there, and he turned into a major leaguer. Uh, it, it's funny because at that level, you see a lot of guys who aren't very good, and yet they still go on to do great things. And, um, you know, that's what's funny about Class A is that guys are so unpolished at that level, but they still wind up excelling years later. 
what, why do you think that is? What, what do you think it is in the development that goes from from that class to double A, triple A, where something just clicks for them? Well, uh, if you talk to a lot of player development people, it's a lot of it for the hitter is pitch. It's a lot about a lot of it is about pitching for the hitter. It's about pitch recognition. And for the pitchers, it's about location. Uh, if you're a hitter, you know, you can stand in there. You can hit a fastball all day. I mean, if you're, you know, a really a quality hitter, if you throw a fastball and it's straight, it doesn't matter how hard you throw it. A guy, a good hitter is going to be able to hit it, but if you throw them an off-speed pitch and it has great movement, you know, if you can't recognize it and make the adjustment to it, you're going to have a hard time being successful. Meanwhile, if you're a pitcher and you're a one-pitch guy, you know, a one-trick pony, you know, you're going to have a hard time being successful because as you climb the ladder, guys are going to figure you out. And as you continue to climb the ladder, if you find a second or a third pitch and you can't locate it with any consistency, you know, you're either going to walk the ballpark or you're only you're only going to be able to go back to that one pitch you can rely on and guys are just going to drill you all day long. So it's really just about de developing that ability to adjust at the plate, being able to throw that pitch for strikes or being able to adjust to that off speed pitch as a hitter and uh, just being able to grow as a ball player. Guys at the class A level aren't really able to do that. But once they get to high A and ultimately into double A, that's really where they turn the corner. That's great. And you touched on uh, Freddie Freeman in Atlanta earlier. So I know I mentioned it at the start. So I just want to go back to your family connections. And I've heard you on uh, your own show on, mm -hmm. on Crash Pandas Network talking about your, your family. And I, I recommend any listen to go and check that out for a more in-depth uh, listen. But I just wanted to, to ask, I guess, I know you said your your grandfather was was a bit of celebrity and your relationship wasn't the closest, but mm -hmm. what is it you took from from him and and from your dad and what made you really want to get into broadcasting? What is it that thought you know what this is what I want to do? And was it any specific advice they'd give you, or was it just well, looking up to them? Well, I, I mean, it was really more looking up to them. I guess the thing I took from my grandfather was be passionate. Mm -hmm. You know with whatever you do, be passionate about it. And it, it's hard in baseball sometimes because, you know, you wonder to yourself, you know, it's the middle of July, it's hot as can be. Uh, you're looking down at the stands, everyone's relaxing, having a good time, but you're having to work. How can you be passionate? Well, that's what you have to do is sometimes if it's a regular everyday Joe ball game, you know, you got to find, you got to be passionate. And, um, uh, I think what was hard for me, especially in Rome, is I was too young and too um, too immature to be able to be passionate every single day. There were days where I was bored to tears and it came across in my work. But the biggest thing, I now, now that I'm older and more mature and can look back at my grandfather, he may not have felt it every day, but he brought the passion to work. Um, biggest thing about my dad was that he... I don't know if dad was always passionate about his work, but he was proud of what he did. You know, he he loved being the voice of the Braves and he was the voice of the Braves at a very uh, successful time in their in their uh, in their franchise history. And he took a lot of pride in that. And I said, you know, even though I didn't embrace broadcasting wholeheartedly early in my career, I said, 
at one point, you know, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be someone's voice. I'd like to be the voice of an organization. And so now that I'm doing this, I've been able, and now that I'm more mature about it, I can embrace it with uh, two full arms. And um, that's probably the biggest thing that I took from each of them. And those are probably the biggest adjustments I've made from my time in Rome until now. That's great. And then for the same reason, would you, would, would passion be your advice to any young kid or college age student that wants to get into broadcasting? What would be your advice to them? Is it to be passionate about what you do or, or would there be more to it? Well, one, you gotta be there. Well, there are a bunch of things. One, be passionate. Yes. But two, you just have to, you have to be good. I mean, I know that sounds trite, but at the end of the day, you either got it or you don't. Um, I, I hate to say it, but it's it's similar to being a singer in that, you know, if you watch, golly, you're probably too young, but if you've ever watched American Idol or uh, what's the big show over there? Uh, no, the, no, the watch. big singing competition you guys have. X Factor. Yeah. Yeah. X Factor. Okay, thank you. You know, you see some people go out there and they let it out and they sound great and the crowd cheers and they're wonderful. And then there are other people, they go out there and they may have all the passion in the world, but they can't carry a tune. I know I can't. Um, and you can have all the passion in the world and it just doesn't matter. Um, as for, uh, so you can have all the passion in the world, but it, it comes down to either you got it or you don't. The other piece I would say you need to have is remain open. You know, no matter what you do, don't stick with just one sport. And that was a huge mistake I made early in my career is I said, well, I'm a carry, you know, that we're known for baseball, just stick with baseball. I should have been doing football. I should have been doing basketball. I should have been doing soccer. I should have been doing volleyball, softball, badminton, Quidditch, whatever. I should have been doing any sport I could have gotten my hands on to make myself more well-rounded because it's those itty bitty Olympic sports that, you know, frankly, not as many people watch that get your foot in the door as a young broadcaster. I really should have been doing a lot more of that stuff. Uh, I just didn't know any better. Uh, yes, that's great. So that's great. So um, like Nick as well, I've actually listened to a few of your um, podcasts as well. So do you want to give it a, a quick plug? So if anyone out there who isn't aware. Yeah, uh, just go to the Trash Pandas website or their Twitter page. Uh, it's called The Josh Carey Show. We, I also have a colleague on there called uh, Ricky Fernandez. He's actually our on-field host. Um, he does a podcast called It's Ricky, but you can get it on Spotify or uh, Apple or uh, the Apple, uh, or pardon me, iTunes. Um, you can find us on there. And uh, I do these once a week. I've got a couple of pretty big guests coming up, too, that I'm pretty excited about. So uh, stay tuned for those. We yeah, will no, go, go out there and give it a listen, definitely. I know. And, uh, and by the way, you can also follow me on uh, at Big Papa Panda. I'm also on Facebook and all that good stuff too. <laughs> Love that handle. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate it. I know Dave and I really enjoyed the show when we were listening it uh, in preparation for this. So great stuff, and we look forward to. It. Have you had much interaction with baseball fans in the UK before? H had you noticed no, I, there was a growing community over here? No, no idea. I mean, the, I know we do the World Baseball Classic. Uh, well, we did. I don't know when we're going to do it again after this thing. But uh, I don't. I don't remember the UK being a part of that. So I didn't know. Team, I didn't know. We, Team GB is on the up. I think just before the pandemic okay. last year, they were in the qualifiers in Arizona. Um, 
and obviously that all got cancelled but GB is on the up and we're obviously never going to be a, a heavyweight baseball nation but one of the things I'm trying to do with the podcast and with the with the Twitter account is sort of grow the Angels back fan base in the UK and connect the existing fan base because it does exist it, it's small but it's scattered around the country and it's just about trying to bring people together uh, all right but that's what we're trying to do and have you have you ever been to the UK I have not you know what I'm not a you know what I'm not a big fan of flights so <laughs> I mean I do it but I, I try to avoid it at all costs traveling international is not a big thing for me I've been to Canada I've been to Mexico and that's good enough for me but I'll try to get over that one day <laughs> well you'd be very welcome although that's the thing with a country the size of the U.S. you don't really need to go anywhere else there's plenty of opportunity exactly <laughs> anything you could that's right on. I know Dave, Dave had a, a question for you about uh, something Victor Roas did last year on the Angels broadcast. Okay. Yeah, so what I was going to ask you, actually, obviously last, last year in the majors, they implemented the double headers and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So quite a, a funny sort of mistake uh, that Victor Roas made when calling the Angels game was when it was, um, he, he called a walk-off for the Angels when they hit a home run in the seventh. But forgot that it was a double header and it had switched over so actually it was the top of the seventh and top of the last inning instead of it actually having the bottom of an inning to go so um, i was just wondering if you've ever had any sort of funny mistakes like that to sort of look back on over the course of your career so far oh boy well i've had a couple and again minor league baseball and you know you'll see a lot of strange things happen in the minors um you know, I talk about the quality of play. You also get a bad, <laughs> you get a lot of bad umpiring as well. <laughs> um, when I was in the New York Penn League, I, I saw some awful things happen because the umpiring was so bad. I remember one time there was a ground ball to third, the guy threw to first and it hit the umpire because the umpire wouldn't get out of the way. I mean, strange things like that. But there are two stories in particular that I remember uh, when I was with the Rome Braves. Um, uh, my first year, we had a guy for, let's see, the Braves were playing Kannapolis, I remember, the White Sox affiliate, uh, Kannapolis, North Carolina. A guy for Kannapolis lines a double into left center field. And the left fielder for the Braves is chasing after the ball, and the ball hits the ground. The left fielder lunges for the ball, and it hits, bounces. The left fielder catches it on a bounce, and with his momentum taking him to his left, he does kind of like a 360 pirouette, fires the ball back in. The runner rounds first, goes into second, stands up with the double. Very routine type of play. Um, and he stands there. And I just called it, hey, line drive into left center. Uh, it's going to get down for a hit. Uh, Rodriguez cuts it off. Wheels throws it back in. And Johnson is into second with a double or something like that. And I look down, I scored in my scorebook and I look back up and I see the players start to run off the field. There were two outs in the inning. I see the players start to run off the field. I'm thinking, what in the world happened? And I had no clue why everyone was running off the field. And I didn't know what to tell the audience. I said, folks, I don't know why the players are running off the field, but I guess the inning is over. So uh, we'll just, we'll just be back after this. And so um, I went over into the uh, over to our official score and I asked, hey, what the heck happened? 
As I go over there, I see the Kannapolis manager run out on the field to talk to the field umpire. Now, keep in mind, in minor league baseball, they only have two-man crews. You have a field umpire and a home plate umpire. And the reason they do that is they want the umpires to call balls and strikes as many times as possible. So they'll call balls and strikes one night, in the field the next night, back behind home plate the third night. So I go over to talk to the, the, uh, the official score. It turns out the, the field umpire lost track of the ball and he didn't see the ball hit the ground. He just saw the ball get caught off the bounce. And so when that happened, he called it an out instead of a hit. Everyone in the ballpark knew it was a double except for the umpire. So that was probably one of the worst ones I ever saw. Um, I couldn't believe it. And then I had to go back on air and explain to everyone exactly what happened. It was just a terrible uh, botched call. And then um, let's see, there was a second one I was going to tell you, but I've already forgotten about that one. But that one, that first one was uh, easily one of the worst calls I've ever seen. But that, you know, that was a probably an example right there. That's that's kind of the beauty of minor league baseball, isn't it? Those mistakes can happen. Obviously, we're used to high standard. Well, depends who you ask, but you're used to high standard officiating at top level of sport. But when you come down the leagues, I mean, it, it just kind of adds to it. You can have that mistake and it's an umpire's call and there's nothing you can do about it at that point. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, they don't have replay. They didn't have replay back then either. If they had, they would have easily seen it. It's obviously a double. Everyone else knows it's a double except you. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things that, you know, growing up in a major league family, it just made you shake your head. But, you know, it, it, just one of those things where there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. And final question from me then. So the minor league season is just a, a couple of months away. You've had this huge delay now. You must be so excited for it to finally get going. What's preparation like? over this last period of time. Mm. Are you excited to actually find out from the Angels who is going to be there, who you're going to be calling each night? And yeah. and just, yeah, I bet you're just ready to get going now. Yeah, I, I am. But, you know, like I said earlier, it's somewhat difficult because you just, you don't really have any idea. Mm. Uh, you know, you might have an idea on about three or four players, but it, the, whatever the 25 man roster is going to be, we really have no idea. Um, the players for double A and single A, they're going to probably report sometime next week um, and how they're going to flesh out who goes to single A and who goes to double A. Uh, we just really don't know because we don't know where the players are in their development right now um, and how uh, taking one year off impacted them. So we'll find We'll probably find out pretty quickly, but um yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be this year is it's going to be really different. There are going to be no playoffs uh, in the minors this year. They're just going to play a hundred and at our level, they're going to play 120 games and then just call it a year. And then hopefully in 2022, we'll be back to normal. That sounds fantastic. And hopefully by 2022, we'll be able to travel over. It's definitely one of the places now on my list to come and visit next. And hopefully we'll be able to come over and see you there in person. Oh, you're more than welcome. We'll be happy to have you. Thanks, Josh. And thanks so much for your time. Good luck for the year ahead. Uh, we'll be listening in from over here and looking forward to seeing what's going on at, at the organization. So okay. thanks again. All right. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Cheers. Have a good one.
And that was our conversation with Josh Carey, the play-by-play reporter for the Trash Pandas for the upcoming 2021 season. I'm sure you're as excited as I am about the Angels' stars of the future finally getting back on the field and a full season of minor league baseball. Of course, as usual, if you've liked what you've heard and you've listened to the podcast, please do go and support us. Give us five stars on your Apple Podcasts, like us, favourite, whatever you want to do, but please do continue supporting us. We really appreciate it and it motivates us to get more guests on and more conversations in the future. Until next time, thank you as ever for listening.